Welcome back to the Building a Fighter podcast. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, bad-ass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, let's do a little freestyle, Alex. Let's do a little freestyle. Let's do it. You just coached at the Colorado State Wrestling Tournament recently. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, man. Um, we had a pretty good year for a wrestling team. We got eight state qualifiers, which is the most in school history. Um, little humble brag. The last two years, or the the first time, first two years I've been coaching, were both the best years in school history. So, coincidence or not, who knows? Um, but we got eight guys there. It was good, um, and that was like maxed out the potential of our team right honestly we overachieved at regionals we did we had a really good regional tournament and we got more guys through than we thought um so going into state of course you're like disappointed because we didn't have any placers and you always expect to win always expect to to do better than you thought but it was a little bit of like a reality check right like like we're upping the dosage and upping the ante as a program as in we can get there but like now we need to take the next step to where we're like genuinely competing. Right. Um, do you have any young kids that made it out? Well, yeah, we had three sophomores or well, two sophomores and a junior. So we definitely have some leadership coming up through the ranks, um, in our program, which again is another thing that I'm super excited for. And that's why we're really pushing our spring wrestling program, um, and trying to make it more of a culture of success and a culture of wrestling at the school, because, Again, I think we're we're realizing some success and both the head coach and I have had multiple discussions of like, but like, we're not trying to have this feeling for one year, right? We're trying to create a program that kind of feeds itself and allows for success over multiple years, over growth, over, uh, for like a better term, a dynasty, right? Like, right. Um, You're building a program, not a team. Exactly. And so that's, that's the take that we have on it. And, you know, last year was the goal of like, all right, we need to get more guys through regionals. And then this year it's like, all right, I see all those names that have team points of state. We need to be top 15 that have team points of state next year, right? And so it's it's just that sequential growth. And there was a really good analog at our regional tournament. We were in the same regional as like probably the top four team in the state. Mm-hmm. And they had the same amount of qualifiers. They had eight, but they had seven guys in the championships and we had seven guys in the third, fourth place match. So it was just, a, it's a subtle flip, right? Um, so we're there and we're developing and it was, it was a really exciting year um, to coach that, but it was really mixed emotions because I, I even explained this to my guys, like as a coach, I'm a dreamer. I want us to win every position, every time I'll score the opponent, tech fall, 10, nothing, whatever, or 15, nothing, right? <laughs> 10, exactly. nothing free sale. Exactly. Yeah. I got you. Um, you're, you got freestyle on the brain. You're starting that spring so, that spring club. Honestly, dude, I've been doing a lot of research for freestyle and Greco because your boy never wrestled any freestyle Greco. So really, you never wrestled freestyle Greco ever. I did like one or two tournaments, just like off the cuff, like not even training for him. And oh, there's like backwater Illinois, like throw some dude over my head. And how many is that worth? Um, but yeah, really limited. Freestyle Greco is where it's at, dude. Greco's the fun shit. Seems fun, and I don't deny that. Um, and I think I have pretty good hips for it. I just, uh, so you can't use your legs hips. I said hips, motherfucker. I know, <laughs> uh, I know. Um, 
No, it's uh, it's freestyle Greco is a little bit of a switch. It's it's going to be a little faster. Freestyle is going to be a fast fucking pace. Greco is going to yeah. be a slower pace than folk style. That freestyle is going to be a lot. It's going to be quick with the leg turns. You got to go immediately after hands. You want to actually do as little as po- like be as stable as possible on bottom. Right. Instead of trying to move a whole fuck ton, which right. is very different than folk style. I know those like general parameters, but what what are your thoughts in does wrestling and freestyle and Greco make you a better folk style wrestler? Yes. What what are the bigger biggest transfer pieces of that? Um, I think in freestyle, the freestyle to so I think you get more out of Greco transitioning into folk style. Okay, personally, but we'll start with freestyle because that's the more popular one. Um, with freestyle, I think you get the flow of movement a lot more from freestyle moving into folk style. Like folk style, you you scramble more. But freestyle, you have to be able to chain wrestle immediately. You need yeah. to be able to go from your single into your leg lace. So you need to be able to go from a from a body lock, be able to step around, drop to a leg. As soon as you get the double, you got to climb up high and get after the floating ribs and go after your gut wrenches or be able to turn them immediately. Because that's the only way you're really going to dominate opponents is yeah. if you string takedowns into turns. Um from the Greco side of things, I think Greco is extremely valuable for folk style wrestlers as well as football players. I think Greco's yeah. has the biggest transfer for football players um, because it allows you to focus on where your hips are. It forces you to be extremely well-rounded in hip dexterity and hip strength because the only way you can pull off, like let's say an arm throw is to be able to have develop a bunch of torque and understand how to rotate your hips efficiently. Right. If you don't know how to do that, then you're going to, you're going to muscle it. And that guy is going to immediately sag and stop you. And then you're probably getting trap arm gut and getting teched. Which is something I'm actually really excited for in, in a Greco position, because a lot of our wrestlers do play football. And I think that will help them from just a bare, like a bare minimum, like a leverage standpoint. Like yep. I know because you know, we're undersized or whatever, but um, and then even on our wrestling team, like quite honestly, like upper body stuff, it was our biggest weakness, right? Like we were really proficient in our leg attacks and we could get to legs, um, pretty well, but anytime it was like upper body, like, and, and I hated this, our default coaching cue was like, get out of it, get out of it. And I'm like, yeah, ass out, ass out. Fuck. Like, I just yeah. want them to be able to, I want the confidence to be like, all right, if shit goes South, we can land on top. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case, you know? So, yeah. um, and I think for a, a responsible reason, like we're not in the room teaching a whole lot of throws, um, probably because it's not in our arsenal. But um, right, but it's, it's more high risk, high reward on that end. But I mean, I yes, I get it with the throws. But what I tell people about Greco too is it actually teaches you to be more aggressive from a tactical standpoint, I think, especially at the high school level. So at the senior level, there's a lot of one Oh matches. There's a lot of like the patience game pays off typically, but the kids that do the best on the, on the high school circuit for Greco are the ones that want to go out there and put points on the board. Like they're the ones that are trying to be stunners out there and they're, they're going for the five point throws. They want (laughs) the belly to back. They want to be able to step around and fucking pop those hips and put them over their head. Um, so it teaches you to, if you want to win a Greco match, if you want to win Fargo for Greco, you have, you have to be a point scorer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can smell that blood in the water, right? Like let's say you're in a folk style match and somebody wants to go up body with you. Like if I'm running out of it, 
mm-hmm. your opponent's like, all right, fuck this guy. Yeah, let's go. Right. Versus mm-hmm. if you're like kind of attacking back at him and have actual good position, then like, all right, maybe that's not a viable option, you know? So I think, I think that's the, the more sophisticated defense to the upper body stuff rather than, you know, killing the underhook or backing out or whatever. Um, I also so. think both summer styles make just make you a little bit tougher. Like folk style, you can get away with not being as tough. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think, but freestyle Greco, the, I mean, stopping a gut wrench might be one of the most painful movements until you callous up the ribs. That might be one of the most painful movements in wrestling is just getting somebody just ranked or like ratcheting in to your ribs over and over again. That sucks. But then also doing it in the summer when it's relatively nice almost everywhere and doing it like instead of going to the pool with your friends, going to a wrestling practice like that teaches the discipline side, I think, a little bit more because you aren't always in school and it forces you to be a little bit more like, oh, I want to do this, not, oh, I have to do this. That's an interesting take because that was somewhere I wanted to go with like the spring wrestling and the offseason wrestling is like to me. Whenever we went, like, whenever I was wrestling in the summer, it was at camps, or I, I did, like I said, I did a little bit of, like, Freestyle Greco camps, and I did, like, one or two tournaments or whatever. But all that shit was just, like, fun practices yeah. to me. There wasn't, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, go in the room, get tough, be gritty or whatever. It was, like, I'm going to go learn this kind of cool technique, and I don't have to cut weight, and I get to kind of be, like, full energy, full go, and, and, and you get to wrestle. And that's a lighter, more fun atmosphere, which I don't want to – lose because like trust me we went through a whole grinder of a season like (laughs) it was not easy practice every day it was not lighthearted by any means but the spring i want i want to be enjoyable right like we can have fun wrestling too and i think if anything that's part of part of my wrestling experience that i missed right i was i always like took myself too seriously like wrestling at summer camps was some of the most fun time i had wrestling but it was like the least serious i ever took it Well, that's when you get to make connections. That's what's like in the high school season. It's really hard to make connections with people outside of your school. Yeah. In the summer season, typically the people that are wrestling in the freestyle and Greco, at least in Illinois, were the better kids. Yeah. So those people that are doing that, you get to start making bonds with all of these different like high level wrestlers. Like our, our roommate, Nelson, I knew Nelson from team Illinois from summer wrestling. And then that's why he stayed with me on his recruiting trip. And that's part of the reason why he came to lacrosse. Yeah. And it was cool because I didn't make that bond. He was a one, a school. I was a three, a school. I don't fuck, like, I didn't know where Byron was to <laughs> be completely honest. Like I had no fucking idea where that place was. I thought it might've been Southern Illinois. And then to have him like us to make that connection and then be able to be like, Oh, we're going to go to the same fucking college. Like this is, this is fucking cool. But all of that is from freestyle Greco. All of that, all of that is from the connections of being able to put higher level wrestlers in a room to that want to get better, want to get tougher, and then moving into just a little bit more wrestling. What I will say is sometimes people take this too far and they force their kid to do summer wrestling when they don't want to, and they'd rather play baseball or they'd rather go to seven on sevens for football. And my personal belief is I don't think that freestyle and Greco wrestling should be mandatory. 100%. But I think it should be offered almost everywhere. Yeah, I, I like that approach too. I think I, I'm still of the mind like multi-sport athletes get you ahead uh, more in at least in in the youth cycle. Like 
almost until you're a junior senior in high school i want you to play multiple sports i want yes. you to uh, to at least expand your movement vocabulary that way um now once you get to start to be a junior senior like it's time like hey maybe i'm gonna wrestle in college then it's like okay maybe we should focus and develop this specific skill set a little bit more mm -hmm. but even freestyle and greco are still a an alternative version of wrestling and kind of an open field per se um but what I'm more interested in, Austin, is your perspective on when is appropriate times or how can we vary like practice intensity and the demeanor in the room, you know, whether this is MMA or um, wrestling per se, to optimize our athletes process. Because I, I've personally seen a huge benefit, like we talked about peaking tapering a couple weeks ago. Um, in lightening the mood, playing games before practice or at practice and, and like short-sighted games where it's more fun. We're still being super active and we're getting something done, but we're in a way lighter mood. And then there's like conversely an intensity factor at practice. Like sometimes you just got to put the fucking hammer down and go. It's just going to be hard, right? So like I, I'm curious to see if you have any unique perspectives on how to balance that stuff. That was a really long question. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't apologize. Um, You're a doctor. You should be able to mentally uh, have the capacity for that. No. So what? What are we? You said <laughs> what, are, what are? You said what are my thoughts? What's the, what's the question? Yeah. Um, You're like what are my thoughts? And then you went into a bunch of stuff. What you time, have, What time are we talking about gamifying? Like you where are we any, at? That's my question. Do you have any unique perspectives on when to gamify, when to take shit seriously, okay. and how you optimize that? Period. Uh, question mark, actually. <laughs> you, fucking, you idiot. <laughs> you gotta um, use a doctor, everybody. You better respect him. Yeah. But uh, so I think that gamification should be layered into warm ups almost all the time. Any way you can gamify a, a warm up, you should gamify a warm up because that always brings the lighthearted mood going into your practice and going into in the rough times in the season because that gives the like playing ankle tag gives the, the kids a reason to show up that makes like oh we get to start with a game yeah. oh that we we get to do something fun and then we get to go wrestling it immediately it's just a it's a good thing to correlate with the sport because as we all know wrestling MMA all combat sports are pretty fucking hard on the body and they're yeah. pretty tough so anytime you can have fun you should um, there's definitely times to do that. Like I like to do that, like peak weeks, like make gamifying. That's yeah. a great way to add the intensity that you need in a much more fun way, like playing spike ball or, or gamifying, like some sort of wrestling drill or adding in say for MMA, like doing like different partner drills that are going to give you a benefit in the end. Um, all of these things, they're all kind of different ways to make it a little bit more fun. If you give somebody a goal to go after, that's even, that's still gamifying, right? That's that's still a way to drive an incentive and make them care more about what they're doing. And that's a good thing to do on the peak week where you have to keep the volumes extremely low, but yeah. you still want to maintain that intensity. Yeah, and I think it's a good way to create a competitive atmosphere and capture a more pure sense of competition. Yes. Right. It's like, I'm going to win this thing, right? It doesn't matter of like, there's no ego involved. There's no like, Oh, it's a live goer. It's a cage round of fuck. I didn't win. Right. It's right. like, this is something that nobody expects me to be good at. Nobody expects my opponent or my training partner to be good at, 
and let's compete in it, right? Spikeball is a perfect example, right? Where right. you can just That's what you I was could just about to say you yeah. just have a game, right? It's just literally a game. It's like show off your athleticism, um, enjoy it. You're still moving around. It's a big dynamic warm up, but it, it accomplishes all the things that we previously said. Um, sure. Well, it all hold on, and it also the cool thing about it, like think like spikeball. It's a, it is fun. It's really fun, but it's also another way to instill in the athletes that winning matters. Because yeah. if you lose a game of spike ball, guess what? Like you're fucking pissed, bro. Yeah, like you, yeah. you, you don't like it. You have that pit in your feeling like, oh, I want to run it back. I want to go back. Yeah. I can beat them this time. And even though it's really fun to play spike ball, it accomplishes mm-hmm. that same goal of driving and increasing in competition and increasing competitiveness in your athletes. And it's not just spike ball. It's any game you play. Prior to practice, end of practice, whatever. And I think I think that sets the tone too, because how many guys mid to late practice when we're doing live goes like, oh fuck, I lost a round in practice. Who cares? Right. Oh well. uh, I just tapped because I didn't want to have feel that like uncomfortable feeling. It's like, it's like no motherfucker win. You know that's how everybody gets better in a sense of like iron sharpens iron. And I think there's a time and place for that, but um. Right. But what and I was going to, that's, well, that's normally like that right there. what happens in practice, that's normally what starts to derail wrestlers or fighters as they go, when they start yeah. being okay with losing in the practice room like that and, and being okay. Like, I know that's when I started like not giving a shit about wrestling. Like my last year at lacrosse, yeah. like I just didn't care if I won in practice. And that sounds so bad yeah. to say when I was my freshman and sophomore year, when I was pr- doing pretty fucking well, yeah. like if I was going with Cody C and I lost that go. I like oh the worst was Dustin. Yeah. If I if I lost to Dustin, I was I was coming at you with some fucking hands. Like yeah. I did not like that. But that was when I was wrestling my best. That type yeah. of atmosphere was when I was at my most competitive. Now I don't think there was ever a time that I didn't care about losing at practice, but there were definitely times where I cared too much about winning in practice. So again, again, an easy small sided game or like spike ball or whatever can set that tone. Like shit, I lost a game of spike ball. Like yeah, I want to run it back. I want to be competitive, but ultimately I don't fucking care, right? And I think that's that's the the nuance that you have to have on like goes in the room or sparring. It's like I want to win this. I'm going to compete my ass off to win it. And then if I lose, ultimately I don't fucking care because I got better, right? Like, like, like the the end goal is getting better and surpassing your limits. The end goal in the practice room is not winning. When we get to competition, the end goal is fucking winning, right? Right. But um, the appropriate priority there is get better, then give a shit about winning the go, right? right. So yeah. Um. So I think that's a, a common, um misconception or problem a problem too where everybody just wants to win 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 but winning so. is cool alex i, I fucking know i'm <laughs> i'm very competitive in my everyday life i uh have to admit yeah but you're right getting getting better should be the main point and it should be what's focused on like there's nothing worse than play wrestling with somebody like just spar wrestling yeah. And all they want to do is win when you're just trying to flow through positions and feel out different movements. Well, like a, I was going to say, there's also n- nothing worse than when they don't give a shit or give you any type of look at all. Right. That's true. Yeah. If it, it's a wet noodle is, is just as bad as a try hard. Right. But yeah. like the only way to like, the only way to play wrestle well 
is to just flow through different movements and try to True. get your body into a weird position and work your way out of it. That's how you feel comfortable. That's why that's why Penn State's fucking Penn State, Dude. to be completely honest. They're who brought it into D1 wrestling. Um, and that was that's just one of those things that you, you need to make sure you're trying to be like right in the middle of you don't want to be a wet noodle, but you don't want to just fucking just go all in the entire time. Dude, as a fan of wrestling, like how there could not be a more cool like dichotomy of like Penn State versus Iowa. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. recently Penn State's been dominating the landscape. But like what a what a complete rivalry in competition, but what even a more complete rivalry in philosophy of like training norms because you know i'm not gonna lie I've, I've been in a situation more like an isla style wrestling room where i've thrived and i've really enjoyed like put mm-hmm. your head down do the routine Same. you know take your shit seriously like get to it and and you feel badass like you you absolutely do it's like mm-hmm. and, and there's a undeniable air of like i'm better than that motherfucker because i've suffered more you know mm-hmm. like and then and there's it's, it's hard to deny that factor but What's recently more been proven is finding that middle ground of like play wrestling, enjoying the process as well as getting after it at certain points. Right. Well, that point right there is what I feel like gets overlooked is everybody talks about how Penn State, their style is play wrestle, funky, move around, score points. They still train fucking hard. Yeah, that's true. Like everybody thinks that it's if you're not doing it the Iowa way that you're not working hard enough and Penn state was the first school to be really show that it's not just about how hard you work. Yes, you should outwork your opponents, but if you work efficiently, efficient work is always going to outdo hard work. And that's a hard pill for the Iowa fans to swallow. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the farm boys of the world. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so there's always a balance. Um, yeah. that was the point I was going to go back at you with is I think there's, there's time to be in it as well, to have just yeah. that kind of eliteness air of like, nah, we're not fucking around today. We're getting for sure. To work, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and, and so I think setting those tones in practice is hugely important, but more importantly than that is you can plan and periodize those approaches out. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm like a strength and conditioning purist in a sense of I think every piece of your athletic preparation can and should be periodized out or can be, again, by periodization. All I mean is planned according to peak at a certain time and place in competition, right? So like your tone and demeanor at practice varies throughout the season, you know, potentially week to week based on what we're preparing for in the future. Like for us, um, let's say if I look at our wrestling season, we start in November, November and December. We're pretty like moderate intensity, right? A lot of new technique, a lot of hard wrestling. Essentially it was like our introductory phases, right? Mm-hmm. Get into wrestling. There's some competitions. They don't really mean that yeah. much, right? Like increase capacity. We have, we of course yeah. want you to win increase capacity. Um, but we're not really hard on anything yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, winter break. We had two two week break. All right, time to buckle down. Let's get really to the root of some of our basics. Let's make sure we're nailing all of that stuff. January, fucking grind, dude. We wrestled five weekends in a row, and three of the weekends were the hardest tournaments in the state. Um, 
And then February, chill out, peak taper, you know, smooth into the end of the year. Let's goes, make sure we have a good. It goes increased capacity, increased threshold, peak and taper. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Periodization. Again. Yeah. Crazy. Strength, strength conditioning purist. <laughs> I'm telling you. But, but the you thing can do is, that. Okay, go ahead. I want to. So the thing is with you, you can wear both hats. You are a, an assistant coach of the wrestling team, but also B, somebody with the knowledge of this, the periodization timeline. Yeah. How many teams do you think have people that talk Man. that can combine both of those things? Because it's, it's one thing to have the strength coach doing his thing and the skill coach doing his thing. But if they talk and actually a know what they're talking about and B can communicate when they should both peak and taper and communicate on how it's going to go, that team's always going to be better off. Man, so we've we've had this discussion. We've kind of staked our claim on the communication front, but how and and I totally agree with that. And I think that's the the genuine way forward. And I'm, but I'm going to throw some shade still. And it's like, as a head coach, can you just please know more? Like, can you do more research into this? Like, having but the a, good head, but the good head coaches do. So, like, I, I agree. And, and, I agree. But like my example, like, like we work with Eastern Oregon. And we are in constant communication with Dustin Azure. He's their head coach. And that's one of my favorite parts about working with Eastern Oregon is because I'm receptive of what we are receptive of what Dustin comes back at us with, with what they're talking about doing. And then he always, every single time asks, well, so how does this pair up with our wrestling schedule? Or uh, can I know about why we're doing this? He always yeah. wants to know what's going on because he wants to get better as a coach. Cause that's what right. good coaches do. It's just, I think, I don't think that people are, I guess, are need to do better. I think we just need better coaches. <laughs> like we, what a, what a subtle, we, we need better people <laughs> that want not better people. We want people to grow going into the coaching field. Yeah. And I don't, I think a lot of, we have a lot of stubborn coaches, yeah. not growing coaches, I or guess is what I'm getting Coaches that at. had good athletic careers and now are coaches. Exactly. Stubborn um, coaches. <laughs> um, but no, it's, and it's like, uh, it's exactly like I saw, I think it was Praxit Patel. I don't actually know who that is, but I follow him on Instagram. Um, <laughs> he shared a, he, he's an NFL sport dietitian, essentially. Um, oh, but no shit, I follow him too. Oh, right. There you go. Um, but no, he shared a video of the Lions head coach talking about live goes in their preseason. Yep. Right. And the, oh, the yeah. players were, you know, rightfully frustrated. Like, man, why are we hitting live? It's preseason. We don't need to be doing this to our bodies, blah, blah, blah. But like he had an underlying structure. He mm-hmm. knew the research. He knew what he was preparing his team for. He, he knew the research of like teams that do more live goes in the preseason have lower injury rates come the postseason mm-hmm. and the lions had a relatively good year based on rather than what they were projected for. Fuck right? yeah. They play very well. Exactly. So um, especially, especially at the end of the year that that was when they made their comeback because they did not have a good start. And then by the end of the year, they were a, hel- a relatively healthy team and they had a relatively high uptick in performance when so, everybody else was fading. So that's what I mean by, I want more from head sport coaches as far as, we periodize the approach. We look at the research and we have a, a holistic put together plan for not only tactical preparation, which I feel like it is the, 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 the backbone of being mm-hmm. a head coach, right? Is it the tactical preparation, right? And that needs to be primary n- numero uno, but we have a, a tactical approach 
for the mental preparation. We have a tactical coach for the physical preparation. And we have branches of support staff that help us with this. But I, as the head coach, am still responsible for the overarching scheme. And then we have the nutrition, which I think is something that you can periodize as well. And then you have the, um, what else? We went mental, we went dietetics, we went healthcare. Uh, healthcare. That's the one I'm missing. Yeah. Your, your little side. Yeah. Project. My, my little side project. <laughs> yeah. Healthcare. So the thing that actually, pays my bills. <laughs> actually do me a favor and explain to me what a, a practical scheme for healthcare looks like. And it, it probably looks a little bit like strength conditioning. If it's, am I right? A practical. Oh, for a period, a periodized scheme. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah, I got you. Um, so don't call me, sir. That's weird. I said, um, sorry. That's what I oh. mean. Sorry. Oh, um, I've never in Norwell. I thought you just you said, sir. yes, sir. I'm like, please don't fucking call me, sir. That's fucking weird, bro. <laughs> okay. Back to the um, issue. What does a periodized period, scheme no, for I healthcare look like? Periodization of healthcare. Um, actually, we kind of talked about a peak and tapering last week, but it's going to focus on, on the beginning phases. If I am allowed to do what I want to do, which is a little bit of healthcare, a little bit of strength and conditioning, like bridging that gap of biomechanical movement. Sure. Um, it would look like a lot of a lot less time on the table and a lot more time on focusing on trying to increase biomechanical efficiency. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to get into heavily get into my breathing and I'm going to teach breathing on the forefront because that's the stabilization effect of everything. Yeah. Um, I'm going to teach how I want them. I'm going to teach a gait cycle and, or watch their gait to see what we can improve. Maybe they're striding too long and they have a history of low back pain. Well, we know that that's going to irritate down the road is a, because every single step you take is just a slump test, which is going to tension the entire nervous system. Every long stride you take is in turn also going to probably piss off a sciatic nerve and neurodynamic tension, which is going to increase low back pain or leg pain further down the road in your season. Um, so that's a main, like a main point or applicable point for runners as well as fighters that are doing a lot of road work. Um, I guess from a periodization standpoint of, as it gets closer to competition towards the end of the year, that's going to be a lot of table time. That's going to be a lot of doing whatever muscle work we need. I need to do my job in order to make them feel as confident as possible on the forefront. We're going to make them feel confident in their movement skills on the back end. We're going to make them feel extremely confident in how their body feels going into yeah. the competition. Yeah. And in a certain way, I guess would it be fair for me as a strength coach to think like as a strength coach, I have two primary objectives most of the time, right? One, one objective is outputs, right? Like that's an undeniable part of my job is I need to increase your strength output, need to increase your power output and in times your speed output, um, your capacities, et cetera. I need, I need those objective numbers to go up. I need you to get better period mm -hmm. performance. Right. And then the, the other secondary agenda is I need you to move efficiently and be healthy. Right. So is it fair to say that in a, in a, um, what utopian model of this, the, um, staying healthy, the injury prevention side can all be outsourced to a healthcare prevention or a healthcare periodization scheme. Ooh. Um, honest answer i'd flip it around i would put it on i i personally would rather focus on just table work and then kick that out to if we're talking about a business model here 
Uh, I mean, I guess just a team model. Okay. Cause like business, just because if you have somebody that in a business model, if you have somebody that's a therapist, you could just run more people through like the therapy side of things. Yeah. Um, from a team model, I want them. I want whoever is the most competent person, regardless of license or, or profession doing what they're best at. Yeah. And so whether that's a trainer, whether that's a healthcare practitioner, whoever is the best at understanding, diagnosing, assessing, and like essentially teaching proper movement, that's what their job should be. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I've like, I know a lot of chiropractors. I wouldn't let fucking teach me rehab. I would like laugh at, and I know like Eric Cressy's a, a trainer. He, yeah. He's not a healthcare professional. He teaches healthcare professionals about fucking shoulders. Right. <laughs> like, right. because he's the most competent person for the job. So yeah. I, I think in a performance team, that's what matters the most is that you identify everybody's key, key performing indicators, yeah. regardless of whatever they're doing. And they should be assigned to that as long as they're legally allowed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's always been a, a tricky interplay. I think as strength and conditioning is like, and of course you periodize it, right? Like you have to sequentially, uh, progressively overload these things. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a time to completely let go of, um, like correct biomechanical movement corrections or, um, like more intrinsic type of movement. Like I still think you hold on to a little tail end of that, even as you get to your peaking cycling output based, yeah. um, mechanics. So, I, I just I, I, I like playing with that percentage and, and yeah. shifting it as you go and up I th- and down. And I think a big thing, and I think what's another thing that's extremely important if you are playing with those two lenses is that you should make your intentions clear to the athlete before they walk in. Right. Because that's where I see a lot of trainers run into uh-huh. trouble is that you get an athlete that you're you're a biomechanics specialist, so to say. Like that's sure. that's more or less like you're doing like fixing movement patterns. And you have somebody that's expecting to come in here and deadlift 500 pounds without a belt. Um, True. And True. so, and then if they have that expectation of doing that, you do this, there's a relatively, you do the opposite effect where you're just watching them walk and you're doing a breathing assessment, right. and yada, yada. I would bet you a lot of money that for the most part that you are not going to work with that athlete ever again. Yeah. They're not going to be satisfied with this session. It's like easy right. as like, all right, Hey man, today is 90% go hard, 10% take care of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, or like you walk in the door, it's like, Hey man, today, all we're doing is feeling good. Right. Like, like there's not a whole lot of high intensity output stuff. So it's, it's setting that expectation. And that's where like the coaching communication piece. Yeah. Like um, I like, I like using a, like a stoplight series. Yeah. Like it's green day, yellow day or red day. Red day is going to suck. Yellow day. I want it to be more like in the middle, but yeah. could still be considered stimulate, not annihilate. Green day, you should feel good leaving, not shitty. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I I still hold true to I think you should feel better walking out of every workout than you feel walking in. You know, and better, you're an idiot because there's no way that you can feel better after doing heavy ass deadlifts walking out. Now, I don't mean better in a sense of like, oh, I feel fresh and daisies and I'm smelling so that's, flowers. That's more what I'm meaning. I mean better in a sense of like my body moves more efficiently and maybe I'm tired from the workout and I'm more down, but I, I feel accomplished in it. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You I, I mental, guess if I, if I say better, I mean better. mentally, yeah, mentally, yeah. you should always walk out 
mentally better than when you walk in. Right. right? That's Physically, fair. you can get yeah. trashed. Whatever. Yeah. I was about to say, I've had some sessions that I did not feel better after. I also, <laughs> I also uh, dislike or refute you calling me an idiot. That, that doesn't feel good, Austin. Well, unfortunately for you, Alex, I don't care about your feelings. All right. Yeah. That's no worse than what we call each other on a normal basis. Yeah. That's uh, you've greeted me with some bad words. No, I would never mom. <laughs> I never say bad words. That's true. Sherry. He Sh- does not shout out to our parents that listen to every episode. True. Appreciate you guys. Fans. OG fans. Um, well, this is going downhill <laughs> fast. If you guys got to get in touch with us, Please, all of our information is in the show notes. That's going to be both Instagrams as well as our emails. Um, we have programs available at buildingafighter.com. That's going to be our memberships, which have recently launched, which is a recurring three-week program that's going to focus on your specific goals, whether they be strength, mobility, conditioning, or the total package, which is building a fighter. Uh, we also have custom programs and preset programs that are just month long. So this is Dr. Austin Shane. This is Alex Friedman. And we are out.